times that have been called to serve, uh, it's a very special role that God has given you, assignment that you've had in this world. And so we celebrate you and we honor you and we ought to do it more than just once a year. Uh, it, it, it ought to be Mother's Day every day. And all the mama said... Yeah, exactly. But and whether you're a mom by giving birth or a mom by uh, by adoption or you're a mom by appointment, maybe self-appointed or maybe someone else appointed you, uh, we we see Jesus and how you love and how you serve. And so let's let's give them a round of applause. All our moms here that are here today. Great to have my mom uh, in service with us today, and uh, been telling y'all she's she's been talking to me about the need for y'all to say amen, respond during the preaching. She's here today, so y'all need to show her if you've learned anything uh, since she was here last. Uh, but if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Amos, and the book of Amos is after the book of Joel, which we were in last week, which is after the book of Hosea, which we were in the week before. If you're visiting with us today, we'll give you plenty of time to look in the front of your Bible and find out what page it's on, uh, because we know that it will be hard to find. And, and while you're finding that, as I was studying for this, uh, number one, I thought this is a horrible Mother's Day message, <laughs> but uh, number two... Uh, I, I kind of felt sorry for Amos as I was studying this and, and because Amos wasn't a very popular guy. Uh, it, it kind of reminded me of a story uh, uh, that I, I read recently, uh, and this was supposedly supposed to be a true story. Uh, but, but there was a, a fellow over in China who actually was arrested and fined because he had hired 200 people to come to his wedding. And the guy went on to explain what happened was is the, the lady that he was going to marry, she lived in another town. They were planning to have the wedding in his hometown. And so he didn't want to look like a total loser with all her family and friends coming to his town for this wedding. And so he went out uh, there in China and he hired 200 people. He paid them $12 a piece to come to be at his wedding for 30 minutes. And so, but come to find out that was illegal in China. And so he was arrested and was fined for doing this. And I had two thoughts about this as I was reading it. First thing I thought was, how pathetic is this guy, right? I mean, how unpopular do you have to be to hire people to come to your wedding? Uh, you know, and then number two, does this really happen so often in China that they have to have a law against it, you know? Uh, but I, I kind of, you know, thought about that as I thought about, you know, Amos. He's, you know, one of the most unpopular uh, of the prophets that we're going to be looking at, uh, the, the most despised man in Israel during this time, and and he's our third in uh, a week five week series that we're doing of the minor prophets that we're looking at uh, here in the Old Testament. So, first couple things to know about Amos. Number one is this: Amos wasn't a full time prophet. It wasn't his primary occupation. It wasn't what he did for a living. I mean, he wasn't a prophet all the time. He was what we would consider today uh, pastors who pastor and have a job outside the church. We call them bivocational. So Amos would have been kind of a bivocational prophet. Now, anybody want to venture to guess what Amos's uh, job was outside of being a prophet? Any guesses? Tax collector. Somebody else? Shepherd. Somebody else? You're going to learn something today. You're going to be glad you came to church because Amos was a cookie maker. Famous Amos. And uh, 
Someone from early service, I kid you not, sent me a picture of famous Amos cookies uh, before the service started. But no, seriously, he was a farmer. Uh, we learn here that uh, he, he was a farmer. He also tended to a field of sycamore figs, I found out, uh, actual fig trees. So Amos, you know, he hadn't had any, I mean, he, he wasn't a full-time prophet. He hadn't had any formalized prophet training. Uh, he hadn't been to seminary. He hadn't been to Bible college. He's just a, a farmer, you know, trying to do his job when God moves into his heart and moves into his spirit and begins to speak to him uh, about something very concerning that Amos has seen taking place uh, in the nation of Israel. And, and I just want to point this out uh, again today, as I do so often when we look at people of the Bible. Uh, you know, some of the greatest contributions we see to the church and the movement of God come through very ordinary people like Amos that we're looking at here this morning. And, and we see in the Bible God often used ordinary men, ordinary women, people, uh, uh, you know, that, that the world might look at and not think anything spectacular about them. And God uses those kind of people, just ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. And so that's always been my prayer for our church uh, because we don't, we don't have any uh, really extraordinary people, you know, in our church. Well, Maybe you think you're extraordinary, but uh, we're just a bunch of ordinary people here in Greenbrier and Guy community, and it's my prayer that God will take some ordinary people and do some extraordinary things. And so I, I just want to point that out again this morning, but why was it that Amos was so unpopular? Why was he the most unpopular uh, of the minor prophets that we're looking at? Well, he's, he's known as one of the most unpopular prophets in Israel's history because he did this. He brought a very strong message of warning to the people of Israel at a time when uh, they were, things were going really great for Israel. Uh, I mean, everything was going good. They were experiencing great national prosperity. We saw last year as we looked at the prophet uh, uh, Joel that it was a time when things were very difficult. Things were kind of going down the wrong path in Israel. And, and so his message was timely. But, but this, this week, as we look at the prophet Amos, uh, he comes along at a time when things are really going awesome uh, in Israel. The, the, they were a strong nation. Uh, they were basically unchallenged at the time. They had a dominant military. Their economy was, was great, uh, and they were at peace. And so when Amos shows up preaching this message of, of warning about this coming financial disaster uh, that God was, you know, God was giving Amos this message that uh, to warn the people of Israel, there, there's, there's coming uh, big trouble. There's coming a time when this nation will fall, and there's, you know, financial uh, uh, disaster coming. There's military destruction that's coming. And as Amos is preaching this message, people just aren't buying what he's selling because they're living the good life. I mean, things are great. Economy is great. Uh, business is booming. Jobs, are, you know, are, are, are growing. All these things. And so Amos would have sounded like a crazy man, you know, and people would have thought that his warnings were unrealistic. Uh, and real quickly, I want to give you some examples of how crazy he would have sounded to the people of Israel uh, when he preached this message. In chapter 2, verse 15, uh, he says, The archer will not stand his ground. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord, and you have to understand that Israel took great pride 
and its archers, okay? Uh, in those who, who, who did archery, it was a source of national pride. It would have been these archers who would be looked upon as being the most fearless in the nation, Right? They would have been the best of the best. And saying that they would flee naked would be kind of like someone saying to us that you know our Navy SEALs will ball up in a fetal position and cry for their mama. I mean, it would have been, it would have been comparable to that, uh, for that to be said about their archers. And then you look over in chapter 3 and, and verse 15, and God says through the prophet Amos here, he says, I will tear down the winter house along with the summer house. The houses adorned with ivory will be destroyed and the mansions will be demolished, declares the Lord. These people not only had houses, I don't want you to miss the fact that they were living in such a time when the economy was so great that not only did they have one house, but many of them boasted and took great pride in the fact that they had multiple houses, referring to winter houses and summer houses. Uh, And not only were they, they, they nice houses, but they had multiple nice houses and things were just going uh, uh, incredibly good for the nation of Israel. And in this, they had grown comfortable. They hadn't gotten comfortable uh, in their uh, riches and, and in all of this, and they surely felt secure from financial disaster. And so this message of doom from Amos, it wasn't received well because in all honesty, it didn't seem realistic. They were experiencing some of the greatest days that they had known. They had such, a, uh, such wealth. They had so many material possessions. Uh, things were so in, going so good. But I, I want you this morning, don't miss the message in this to us today. Okay, because as we live in our security and we live in our stability and we live in great economic times, right, we can't miss the message in this. And the message is this, mighty empires and mighty men and mighty women are not usually brought down by financial or military disasters. They are brought down by sin. Don't miss the message that Amos is preaching here to the people of Israel today. It's not, the, it's not finances that take great people and great empires down. It's not, it's not militaries that take great people and great nations down. It's sin that takes great nations and great people uh, down. And, and so, the, you know, uh, there's corruption from within, and this is what's taking place uh, in Israel there. And so I just want to hit a few highlights uh, from Amos' message as he sees what he has for us uh, today. Uh, as individuals, as families, as the church today. Uh, first, just some context. The first six chapters of Amos are basically his sermon, right? This is a sermon that he would have preached. Uh, the first six chapters uh, on a, on a uh, feast day in Israel It was basically a national holiday celebration. Maybe Mother's Day, who knows, right? But it was a great day of celebration that people were, were celebrating. And Amos stands up in the center of one of Israel's uh, most sacred cities, the city of Bethel, and begins to preach this message. And the message that he preaches on this national day of celebration, on this day of honoring, you know, whatever it was or whoever it was they were honoring on this day, Amos, God gives Amos a message to deliver of the people, and it's a message that the judgment is coming. The message from God is that the judgment is to come. And Amos in chapter 1 tells us that he stands up during this national holiday and proclaims the Lord's judgment 
on the people. And he's, he's no dummy, obviously. Uh, you know, he may be bivocational. He may not have been to seminary, but he's not dumb because we see he begins in his message by proclaiming the Lord's judgment on other people, right? He starts out in chapter 1 proclaiming the Lord's judgment on six of the surrounding nations that were around Israel, which would have been nations that Israel was in competition with. It would have been nations that Israel uh, was, were, was enemies with. Okay, and so, you know, Amos is pointing out that the nations around them are going to fall. Uh, they're going to be judged as well. And undoubtedly, this would have been well received by the people of Israel, right? I mean, because one of the best ways to become friends with someone is to complain about the same people that they complain about. I mean, you want to be friends with somebody, find out uh, who it is they don't like and who they complain about and what they gripe about, and you start complaining about the same people and griping about the same things, and y'all are going to become best buds, two peas in a pod, right? And and so, you know, uh, Amos is starting out like this, but here's the deal. Everybody likes to hear judgment when it's on their enemies, when it's about their enemies. And so I'm sure that as Amos is going through this first chapter here and he's talking about the destruction and the fall of all these nations that are surrounding Israel, right? They're all probably nodding their heads in agreement. You know, amen, preach it, preacher. You know, that's a great, great message. But then comes chapter 2. In chapter 2 and verse 6, Amos kind of takes a pivot here. He turns from the nations that are surrounding Israel, and he starts talking about the sin in Israel. He starts talking about Israel's problems, which didn't go over quite as well as you can imagine. And you begin to see here why Amos was not a very popular prophet at the time. Verse 6, he's talking to Israel. They are his audience, but it's interesting here that he speaks to them in the third person. And God says through Amos to the people of Israel in verse 6, He says, They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. In other words, the message that Amos is preaching here, the message that God has given Amos, the message that God, for whatever crazy, whacked-out reason today, wants us to hear on Mother's Day, (laughs) right? The, The message was God is saying that these people have been exploiting the poor, all right? Silver was a symbol in those days uh, for a loan or for a huge debt that would be owed. And the poor were going into even more debt. Don't miss this, what he's saying here. The poor are going even into even more debt to even buy a pair of shoes. They're having to borrow money from the rich in order to even have shoes to put on their feet. Right? And so in those days, you know, there was no such thing as when you accumulated, you know, so much debt that you could never recover from. There was, ne- there was no such thing as filing bankruptcy back in the time. If you can pay your debts back then, basically you sold yourself into slavery to work off whatever debt that you owed. And so the poor, the oppressed, they were having, you know, to sell themselves off into slavery just to keep their families alive, just to keep their families fed, just to keep shoes on their feet. They're having to sell themselves off into slavery to survive. And so basically God is saying this, those of you, you know, you're living the good life. Look at you with your multiple houses and all your stuff and all your jobs and all your money and all this. 
God's saying to these people, those of you who are living in comfort, those of you who are living in luxury, you're doing that, and you don't want to hear this, but you're doing that by taking advantage of the poor. You're actually taking advantage of them. Who, by the way, if you follow along in God's word and God's plan for the children of God is to help the poor, to help the needy, to help the outcast. And so according to Amos, Amos preaching this message on a national holiday to a nation who has much to celebrate and much to be proud of. But God is, is, is speaking through Amos to these people that God sees uh, this as failure in helping the poor. He sees it as an injustice that they're not helping the poor and the oppressed and, and the outcast. And God says what is just, which basically means what is right, right? What is just, what is right is for my people, for my children to help those people who are in need and can't help themselves. This is the message of God to his children. And to his people, help those who cannot help themselves. And and so in the Old Testament, we see being a just person is one who looks at the resources that they have. They look at the blessings that they have. And God says a just person is the one who looks at what they have and the resources that they have and sees them as an opportunity to help others in their community. To help the needy, the oppressed, and, and the, uh, those that are outside the community. But, but those who were gathered to hear Amos that day, whoever it was that Amos stood up in the middle of that day to preach this message, they wasn't all about that. They didn't want to hear that. They wasn't receptive to this message that he was preaching. Uh, and like some of you are going to leave here today and you're going to go get in the car and go, it's Mother's Day. What was that? Right? I don't know what that is. I started to try to preach a Mother's Day message, and it just, you're getting this, all right? Um, but the people that Amos is, is delivering this message to, that, you know, they're, they're, now they're not agreeing with what Amos has to say. They don't want to hear what Amos has to say. This is a day of great celebration. This is a day to, to uh, celebrate a holiday. Because here's the deal. They saw their riches as something they had earned. They saw their riches as something they deserved, right? They had every right to their riches, to their stuff, to their materials, to their multiple houses. And those who didn't have it, well, you know what? That was their fault. They just wasn't smart enough, wasn't strong enough. They couldn't finagle enough or whatever reason. The reason they're poor is because they chose to be poor, right? And, and so this was the, the, the people that Amos is delivering this message to. And, and then we see probably the most politically incorrect verse here in, in Amos chapter 4 and verse 1. I hesitated to use this, but it's just too good to pass up. He says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Huh? He's preaching now. Huh? You cows of Bashan. You women... He's he's preaching specifically to women now who oppress the poor and crush the needy and then say to your husbands, bring me a drink. (laughs) It's in the Bible. I'm I'm, I'm willing to bet if any of you are betters, and I've seen some of you at the track, so I know you are. uh, (laughs) Pictures on Facebook. I wasn't there. I'm willing to bet you've never heard a sermon with this text. (laughs) Huh? 
You ever heard a sermon preached from that passage of Scripture before? Did you even know it was in the Bible? Right? Uh, and you've probably never heard a preacher call you a bunch of cows either. And I'm not going to be the first, especially on Mother's Day. But if the shoe fits, whatever you need. All right? Keith Rooney came up to me after the early service today, and he says, It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> but, I mean, Amos is just preaching what God's laid on his heart. You know, at a time when no one wanted to hear it, and it was probably the most inappropriate day ever to preach this sermon. And he's saying, these women are spending their husbands' money. You know, they're living lavishly. They're pursuing lives of luxury when people all around them are suffering. You know, they, they, they obviously didn't have to work, which is great. And, and, but, you know, they, they only cared about, you know, fashion and vacations and going to the gym and eating organic and driving nice cars, right? Well, maybe that wasn't them. Maybe that's, maybe that's us. You know, and while there were people all around them who were starving to death, there were people all around them that were having to borrow money just to have shoes to wear. And not only that, I know I'm, I'm jumping around back and forth, but uh, back to chapter 2, verse 7, Amos says, Father and Son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. And what this basically was is uh, Amos is just pointing out to Israel, you know, you've basically got your own little sexual revolution thing here taking place. And, and, and here's the deal. You as the church, you as the children of God that have been uh, extended uh, great grace by your Father. You're just going along with these things. You're just turning your head to it and allowing it to happen. They really weren't speaking out against it. Preachers were not willing to preach against it because it wasn't a popular message, right? God's chosen people who had been saved only by the grace of God and who had been tremendously blessed and were living in some great times, well, they had grown so comfortable in that. They had fallen so in love with the lifestyle and that they were beginning to allow this sin in their midst, in their lives, in their families, in their homes, in their community. And the most infuriating uh, to God in all of this, Amos said, is that they did all of this while fervently being religious. While fervently being uh, religious. They came right on into the church just like everything was hunky-dory and everything was wonderful, acting like nothing was wrong. And while they're living these, the other six days away from the church the exact same way that the rest of the world is living, right? And, and like Isaiah, who prophesied right after Amos, uh, said in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, These people come near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And, and, and you know, they, they, they come to church, and they, they sing the songs, and they sing the praises, but their hearts are a million miles away from where they need to be as followers and children of God. And, and you can see that by how they're living their lives the rest of the week. And, and here's what God is saying. What you really believe about God is not demonstrated in how loud you sing the songs on Sunday morning, but it's by how you live your lives the rest of the week. And, and as you can imagine, at this time, Amos's message had pretty much quieted the crowd. Don't you imagine? Don't you imagine the amens had stopped? 
there's no more preach it, brother. Right? Good stuff going on. Amos has now hit a nerve. He's hit a spot that no one really wants to, to talk about. And, you know, it reminds me of a woman uh, who was in a church, and uh, the pastor announced that he was going to preach a series of messages on uh, sin in the world. And boy, she was so excited about it. The first Sunday they showed up to church, and, and he started out by preaching against pornography. Right, and boy, she was all about it. She was amening and preach it, brother, and going. And next Sunday he came in, he preached about abortion. And then the next Sunday he preached about getting drunk. Every Sunday, boy, she was, she was fired up. Preach it, brother. Keep preaching. He went on to talk about the corruption in Washington. He then went on to talk about the liberals in Hollywood. And boy, she was about to get beside herself. She was ready to run. And then she turned to her neighbor and said, he's on fire with this series. Isn't this the greatest series ever? And then he started talking about loving your neighbor who doesn't mow their yard. He started talking about loving your neighbor who had all those cats. <laughs> Y'all are harder to love than you know. And then he began to preach about the sin of gossiping and the sin of talking about other people. And the lady leaned over to his, her neighbor and said, he needs to mind his own business. <laughs> Don't you imagine that's about how Amos' message was being received? He needs to mind his own business. He don't know what he's talking about. He's crazy. He's a madman. And here's the deal, church. The connection, I don't know if you've made it yet or not, but the connection that's happening here in Amos's day and what's happening right now in our day is not a hard connection to make. It's not difficult at all. And I don't know if you've noticed the similarities or not this morning, but I, I think you probably have. Because you know what? I can stand up here and I can talk about the moral corruption of Hollywood and everybody be all about it. Right? I, I can talk about how vulgar uh, TV shows have gotten and you know, you'll amen. I can talk about the, the, the degradation of women depicted in the music today and gangster rap, you know. I, I can talk about the secularist agenda that's being crammed down our throats by the media today. I can talk about the corruption and hypocrisy of groups like Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. I can talk about the evils of Islamic terrorism and the wickedness of the religious persecution that's taking place in China and North Korea. And I can talk about how bad all of those things are. And we all say, amen, preach it, brother. But what happens when the spotlight turns on us? How many of Israel's sins do we see in our world today. And I'm not just talking about the world out there. I'm talking about the world in here. The church world. That we call it. I mean do we not live in a country today. Where justice often is only in favor of the rich and the wealthy. Where we still today see minorities. And the underprivileged being oppressed and at times treated like they're in some subhuman category? I mean, do we not still see that today? And, and there's plenty of evidence that these things are still happening, right? We just want to turn our heads to it and ignore it and pretend like it's not taking place because it's not happening to us, it's not happening to our kids, it's not happening to our grandkids, and so we turn our heads to it. 
It's out there. We just choose to ignore it. And I've shared with you several times in this past year since school has started, our church has bought uh, over 60 students' shoes in our school district here. Now, it's not just because they wanted a new pair of Nike tennis shoes. It's because they came to school and their shoes were taped together and held together with duct tape or they were falling apart and a teacher picked up a phone or a counselor picked up a phone and called us and said, I've got a kid that needs a pair of shoes because he is humiliated and embarrassed to wear the ones he's got. Over 60 students this year in our community that just needed shoes like the people that we see here in the story today. But yet we want to ignore it. We want to drive by the homeless. We want to drive by the people that are living in the barns that don't have running water or electricity to their homes and ignore it, and it's all around us. We're surrounded by people just like the people that Amos is talking about here today. But yet we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable. And, and you know what? There, there are people that are sitting in churches every weekend. I believe it's a very similar audience to the one that Amos was preaching to. People that sit in, pre, uh, in services day in and day out, week after week after week, who know they're living in sin. They know they're living in sin. They're living the other six days of their life just like the rest of the world is living their life. And you can't see any difference in them whatsoever. Sexual sin is rampant in the world that we're living in. You know, and it's almost just like uh, you, you, you don't even think bad of it anymore when you hear about it. Uh, you know, socially accepted sin, things that everybody has accepted is okay, that God calls sin. And there's sin that people don't want to call sin anymore, but yet they go to church. Why? Because they want God to be a part of their lives. They want God to be a part, right? They're, they're, they're churchgoers and, and, you know, that, that live and do whatever they want outside of here, but yet they go to church. And they walk in the church and they sing the songs we sang this morning. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, Right? But it's like A.W. Tozer once said, Christians don't tell lies. They don't tell lies. He said they normally sing them. Ouch. These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips and with their songs, but their hearts, he says, are far, far from me. But we don't want to call sin sin today because we don't want to be the Amos in the room do we? We don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that girl. We don't want to be the one that they call the Jesus freak, right? And, and so, you know let's be honest, I'm talking to a group of people today who have lived most of their lives in lives of privilege and blessing the way that the people were living in Amos day. I mean, let's just admit it, we are we're living privileged lives. For some, it's the privilege of being a part of a majority culture. Uh, so you tend to get the benefit of doubt maybe when others don't. For others, it's the privilege of getting a good education, having the opportunity to get a good job, living in a country, living in these great United States of America where there are a lot of opportunities for people today. You know, I, I mean, e even if you're in the United States and you're on the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to salary and wages, you're still considered to be among the world's richest when you look at everyone around the world. 
And, 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 and I trust me, I, I've been to third world countries and I've seen what poverty looks like. And, and folks, we're privileged. We are privileged. You know, and I want to be clear today, there's nothing immoral or uh, about being in a position of privilege. We shouldn't feel guilty about it. All right, that's not the point. We shouldn't feel guilty about it. But God has placed us in a position of privilege for a reason. He's blessed us with the resources that we have for a reason. And that's to help and to empower those who don't. Those who can't help themselves. It may not be their fault. And so to make sure uh, that, that people all get treated fairly and, and get treated equally and to help open doors of opportunity for them as well. Hey, listen, we love, uh, well, I'm not going to say we love, but we don't mind talking about the sins of others. We don't mind pointing out the faults of other people. We don't mind talking about the sins that other people are committing and, and that they're living in. But wouldn't Amos probably say many of the same things about us that he was saying to Israel? I mean, would he not? And, and, and listen, I, I know talking about sins don't make me popular, especially on Mother's Day. I get it. But, and, and you know, I, I shared with the early crowd, I've had people get up and walk out because of things that I've said from this platform. They get up and walk out and they never come back because they were offended or they didn't like something that was said. And you know what? I hate that. But I'll tell you this morning, I'd rather lose them than lose him. We can't be manipulated. We can't be controlled by the world that doesn't want to hear the truth. We can't lose focus of him. And who He is. And what He's called us to be. And how He's called us to live. And we're to be separate from the world. Live differently. Look differently. Love differently. And here's, you know, why I feel like I have to do this. God makes it clear through Amos. If you want my presence... If you want my presence in your life, if you want my presence in your family, if you want my presence in your church, you will take sin seriously. And churches today that tolerate sin and families today that tolerate sin, we see here from the prophet Amos, they're on a very slippery slope. You know, but, but here's our hope. And... You know, wow, lovely Mother's Day message. But I want, I want to skip over to, to chapter 5 because this is our hope. Amos, you know, after he, he, he issues the warning and says, you know, here's, here's, what it, here's what it looks like. Here's what's happening. Here's what to come. Listen to what God speaks through the prophet Amos in verse 14 of chapter 5. He says this, seek good. <laughs> seek good, not evil that you may live. This is the life that God intended for us to live, that we would seek good and not evil. And then the Lord God Almighty, He will be with you just as you say He is, just as you sing that He is. He will be with you. Hate evil. Love good. Maintain justice in the courts. And again, what is justice? It's 
right. It's what is right. He says maintain doing what is right in the courts. He's not talking about the courts where the the lawyers and the judges are. He's talking about the courts in your community. He's talking about the playgrounds. He's talking about the parks. He's talking about the areas within the community. It's there where we live right and we do right by God and what He's called us to do and be just people. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but do this. Let justice roll like a, li- like a river in your town. Let justice, let what is right, let what is just be done in your town, in your homes, in your church, in your community. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness, righteousness like a never failing stream. Righteousness is simply nothing more than just doing right and being right. And God gives us a picture of what that looks like and how to do that and how to love on others. And what this has to do with Mother's Day, I have no idea except this. Mothers probably show this more than anyone else in our world. When they look at their children, they see good. Regardless, they see good. They're there to love. They're there to help. They're there to encourage. They're there to support. They look like Jesus. They look like children of God. And I think we can all get a tremendous lesson from Amos today and from our mothers today and how we view the world and see the world and those around us and what God has called us to be and called us to live in this world today. And moms, we celebrate you. Thank you for looking like Jesus. Thank you for loving us the way that God loved us. And it's just my prayer that we, as the church, as we go out from here, we we would have a different set of eyes, that we would understand who God has called us to love on and what he's called us to do. And this morning, as we close with a time of uh, of prayer this morning, maybe uh, there's something special that you want to come pray about today. Maybe there's something been on your heart. Maybe it's a child that's been on your heart, a parent that's been on your heart, and you just want to come and, and bring them to God today at these altars. I invite you to come. Maybe there's a decision or something going on in your family, in your life, that you just want to come and pray about. We're going to close here with a word of prayer this morning. I can't think of a, a, a better way to end a Mother's Day service than to come and, and pray and maybe some, some uh, kids would just like to bring their mother up and pray over them, I don't know but we're going to close with a word of prayer this morning if you would like to come, come at this time as we prepare to uh, approach the throne of God bow our heads this morning. Let's all join together in our prayers. God, this morning we've looked at a very powerful lesson from a prophet that came thousands of years ago. And the similarities that we see between the time that he was delivering this warning and the time that we're living in today are it's almost eerie they didn't want to hear it back then and a lot of people don't want to hear it today they just want to enjoy life and live the good life but God today 
I pray that we'd have an understanding of what the good life is. And the good life isn't all about us. The good life is pretty much summed up in two commands that you gave us in your word. Love God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. When we get those two things right, we'll be right. We'll be living justly the way that you've called us to. So God, today, I, you know, sometimes we don't understand the timing of your message, but I know this, your timing is always perfect. And there was a reason that we looked at the message of Amos today. And only you know what it is. So I pray today that you'll help us as a church that we won't be guilty of turning our heads or lowering our standards or throwing out the moral compass that we will be open to the truth. And it's many of the mothers that are here today that often take a stand in the home and say, no, that's not going to happen here. We're not going to watch that. We're not going to listen to that. We're not going to talk like that. We're not going to dress like that. We're not going to make those kinds of decisions. And often it's the mom that takes the stand and does that. And we're thankful and grateful for them. But God, I pray that you would find us all faithful to the truth. You would find us all obedient to the truth. And that today, uh, this warning would be something that is received seriously that we wouldn't just be like your word says we wouldn't be hearers and not doers I pray that we'd be hearers and doers so we thank you for this powerful word today and we thank you for the message for us and God I thank you today for these moms they they are so special such a gift you created special people when you created mothers and we're grateful and thankful for them and those that are here today and are celebrating with their moms today. I just pray it would be a special day. A special day where we could show them our love and appreciation. But God, I realize today it's also a hard day because there's some moms that may not know where their kids are and they may be sitting here alone today or their moms may be gone. There's a lot of pain that goes along with days like today. But God, we can find comfort in the fact that you love us and you care for us. And you promise that you'll always be with us and we'll never walk alone or be alone. And for that, we are so grateful and thankful for your presence in our lives. And God, I pray now that as we go out from this place, that we'd be a church that looks a whole lot like our Father. We'd be a church that's quick to extend mercy and grace. A church that's quick to extend help to the needy that you would give us the eyes and ears to see and hear what you would have us to see and hear when we leave. God, we just love you so much and we thank you for loving us enough to remind us of who we are as children of God today. And we'll always be careful to point people to who you are and give you the praise and the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you go...